in every country Trees, you know we can Work together and learn what we need To meet the challenge Traditional skills and modern techniques Whatever language you speak You have a world to offer Every day, climb with the ISA Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. This is Tom Smiley at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory, and today's talk is by Dr. Bert Gregg, Associate Professor of Horticulture and Forestry at Michigan State University. His talk is going to be about looking at the true value of mulch in the modern landscape. It was originally presented at the 2015 ISA International Conference in Orlando, Florida. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, coming out on this afternoon. I know it was between coming here and going to the pool, so that's always a tough, tough call there. Appreciate uh, people people coming out. So what I'll be talking about today is uh, the case for mulch, and for a lot of people this may seem like, don't we do that already? But um, there is, uh, you know, some uh, contrary points of view out there, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but for a lot of us, um, you know, so arguing against mulch a little bit seems like, you know, kind of arguing against, you know, mom and mom and apple pie, and most of us, you know, think of smiling volunteers out there mulching trees. This is a project with the, the greening of Detroit. But there certainly are some, some other thoughts out there and, and some things we need to be aware of when we're thinking about mulch. Um, so what I'll talk about here, we'll kind of go through some, some mulch basics and maybe things you already knew or thought you knew. Talk a little bit about um, some work, uh, some studies that have been published and just some other thoughts that are out there, uh, both in published research and just in the, in the blogosphere and elsewhere, uh, talking about some of the negative aspects of mulch and why we might not want to uh, be doing it. And then I'll kind of give a rebuttal to that based on some case studies, some research that we've done at Michigan State over the last uh, probably 10, 12 years or so, and then hopefully tile this together and, and give people some, some perspectives that they can, that they can uh, take home. So. For most of us, uh, the mulch basics, kind of the usual story, um, and I'll acknowledge Linda Chalker-Scott right off the bat here. Um, Linda put together several years ago a fairly uh, exhaustive literature review, uh, Journal of Environmental Horticulture. Um, I think they're now behind a paywall again, but if, if you contact Linda, she'd probably give you a copy of her paper, but she probably reviewed at least 100 uh, citations in that, in that review. And, you know, the things we typically think about, uh, you know, studies have shown that mulch improves soil moisture, reduces erosion compaction, can improve soil temperature, okay, for root function, reduce weed competition, and in general, the bottom line improves plant establishment and growth. And I think most of us have kind of gone along with that, and, and that's sort of the, the company line that, we, that we've had for, for some time. Um, but there are some contrary points of view out there. Um, this is one, I don't know if you can read that in the back, this is a, a blog, uh, primarily a guy that deals with uh, design types of issues, 
And in case you can't read, the, the title of his blog post is The Case Against Mulch Rings. And in this case, it's really more of an aesthetic sort of argument. So this guy doesn't like the idea of having you know, lawns with the mulch rings in them, and he's arguing for more aesthetic sorts of, sorts of design. So there's that sort of argument against, against mulch. And of course, lots of reasons that we, we you know, wanna, want to uh, avoid some issues with mulch. Um, Anyone that's involved at all with uh, public education has their own set of mulch volcano slides that we've all collected uh, over the years. This is one of my, one of my favorites. Um, we also have issues with hot mulch or sour mulch. So if you all experience the thing where you get the mulch that has gone anaerobic, okay? And so this will have organic acids, volatiles, things that are gonna come off and can damage, uh, particularly uh, bedding plants. This is a Gerber daisy here. So, uh, another reason we need to be, be careful about uh, mulch. But what kind of got my attention was, uh, this was a post from Jim Urban on his blog, uh, the Deep Root blog, and the title of it is Against Mulch. And uh, so obviously we know where he stands. Um, and some of the arguments that he brings out, um, one is mulch floats. Okay, well, that's true. Uh, if we're dealing with organic mulches, uh, to me, that's more of a design issue. Okay, if you're having trouble with your mulches always going down the, the street and into the drain, that probably suggests there's some, there's some design issues in the, in the landscape. But also, he's talking about potentially increase, increasing nutrient loads, okay, that may be, that may be going down the, down the drain as well. So, um, you know, but it brings up this question, I think we need to look at things objectively, and does, much always help, does mulch always help? And uh, Ed Gilman's certainly done, done his share of work on this, on this question, and I know it's kind of a fuzzy slide for those of you in the back of the room, but what, what they were looking at here is trunk diameter, uh, I don't know, about five or six year study here with the red maple. The top line is the trees that are mulched, there's caliper growth, there's height growth, and then the trees that are not mulched. So is there a benefit to mulch in this case? Well, a little bit. Um, he must have had pretty good, pretty good error bars. He's actually able to show a, a significant difference between what's not, doesn't appear to be a very large difference in growth. Uh, for the height growth, they didn't see an effect. Okay, so we don't always necessarily see a response to mulch depending on maybe species or the particular situation that we're involved with. Again, realize this is difficult for those of you in the back of the room. This was a trial done by Mike Arnold down at Texas A&M, and he was looking at planting depth, so planting below grade, planting at grade, or planting above grade, and then applying different levels of mulch. All right, so kind of keep things simple. We'll just focus on the trees where he planted them at grade. And then this is different depths of mulch. All right, there's a typo on this. It says millimeters. This should be centimeters on the mulch thickness. But he's got uh, 7.6 centimeters, about three inches. So kind of what we would normally recommend, six inches and nine inches. And what uh, they found there with these green ash was that as they increased the depth of the mulch, they actually de decreased height growth and they decreased stem caliper. So, you know, some cases where maybe mulch doesn't always give us the benefits that we think we're gonna get. Another uh, paper that got uh, some people's attention was, again, another paper from, from Ed Gilman, along with the Dick Beeson and, and uh, their other colleague there, where they looked at uh, evaporative loss, water loss from 
containers. Okay, so these are, uh, Richard Beeson does a lot of work on nursery container water loss, those kind of things. And so what they were looking at here are actually lysimeters. If you're not familiar with a lysimeter, um, this is not from their study, just, just an image of a lysimeter to show you, but you're looking at basically a container of either, in this, their case, substrate or soil, and then you have some kind of weighing system. You can have hanging lysimeters, you can have load cells, whatever the case might be, and we know that one gram of water is one cubic centimeter of water, so you can do the weight to volume conversion and all of that. And so that's what they did in this study. And uh, what they showed was that for, especially for the substrate uh, filled containers, that if you irrigated them and then tracked water loss over the next three days, especially the first day after, that in fact the containers that were mulched lost more water, okay, that first day after after you uh, cut off the irrigation. If you look across the three days, they come out even. The number of parentheses is the total water loss. And for the soil containers, the ones that uh, were not small, it's actually lost a little more water. So depending a little bit on which, which system uh, you were looking at you know, to what kind of conclusion you might, you might draw from this. But bottom line is there is some thoughts out there that maybe mulch isn't always giving us the benefits that, that we think they are. Well. Um, We've done a couple of studies, and so what I'd like to do is kind of look through some case studies that we've had where we've looked at mulch response of landscape plants, trees and shrubs, over some fairly long-term studies, okay, where we've seen some pretty, pretty significant results. The other thing we've done in these studies is to also sort of tease apart some of the things that are giving us the mulch response. Okay? So um, we've done uh, this landscape shrub study I've I'll talk about. We've also done some work with conifers. I do work with Christmas tree growers, so we get involved with conifers quite a bit. And then um, our current study, which is actually working on uh, shade trees. So let me talk first about our landscape mulch study, our landscape shrub study. This is a project that Bob Chutsky and I started back in, in 2004, is that right? Been a while. Um, and the question on this one initially was, uh, what's the best mulch, right? You always get the question, what kind of mulch should I use? And so the, the intent of this study was to really look at different types of mulch. So we had uh, 24 plots, and then we assigned uh, the treatments at random to each. We had a no mulch, no weed control, so just whatever happened, happened. We had no mulch plus weed control, the weed control being hand weeding or spot spraying with glyphosate uh, to keep the plots essentially bare ground. We had uh, pine bark mulch. For us, that would be red pine. We have a lot of red pine mills in Michigan, so ground, ground red pine bark. Hardwood fines, again, for us would be a local product. Uh, cypress mulch, and then we have um, recycled pallets. You all are probably familiar with this. We have a, a facility that grinds up uh, old pallets into mulch. They get dyed, colors not found in nature. Um, and so those, that's actually the plot you're looking at right, right there. So, but the, the thing about those is, right, very high C to N, right? They're all wood, so there's not much, not much bark material in with those, those particular materials. Um, everything replicated, everything was applied to a three-inch depth. Okay. And this was landscape shrubs, but they're woody plants, so I think it's fair enough to, to present these here. 
um, burning bush, spirea, we had a wajilia, a couple of ewes, a couple of arborvitaes in each plot, a hydrangea, paniculata, and then a couple of, of viburnums. And then what we did is we uh, looked at uh, growth responses as well as soil moisture, soil pH, foliar nutrition, okay, a whole suite of traits of the trees, or excuse me, the shrubs, in response to uh, the various mulches. And initially, this was conducted as a three-year study. Okay, and Bob and I wrote it up and published in Hort Science. Um, so we were done with it, or so we thought. We'll get back to that. So this was the initial uh, results. If you go to the paper that's, that's in Hort Science, we had a, a very complicated eight-panel bar chart thing. Um, I've just taken one out of that. So we had similar responses, not exactly the same, but similar responses for the different types of shrubs. I'm just showing you the hydrangeas here as an example. So over here, we're looking at our two non-mulch plots. So no mulch, no weed control, no mulch with weed control. And then our four bars over here are our different types of mulch. Okay, and so for the most part, the mulches are increasing growth, certainly compared to the no mulch, no weed control. Um, weed control is buying you a lot. Okay, don't, don't deny that. Um, and then cypress mulch, we're not sure. Um, is this, you know, there's secondary compounds. Is it uh, some allelopathy going on? We're not, quite, we're not quite sure. But we did see this in several occasions where the, where the trees or the shrubs with the cypress mulch actually did poorer than... Uh, the other the other mulches, but by and large, we are seeing the best growth of all the treatments coming out over here on our on our mulch side. Okay, so we also looked at foliar nutrition. We always get the thing: well, you're going to get nutrient tie-up if you use you know mulches with a high C/N ratio, and all of this <clears throat> doesn't doesn't turn out to be the case. So, in the second year, towards the end of the second growing season, uh, we took uh, foliar samples. Uh, from, all of our, from all of our plots. Again, here's our two no mulch uh, treatments. Here are our mulch treatments. Uh, most of you know enough about statistics now. If you don't see a difference in the letters, then, then you're not seeing a difference in the, in the uh, averages there. So for the most part, uh, all of the plots with the mulch you know, had as high or higher nutrient concentration as the plots that were not, that were not mulch. So this notion of the nutrient tie-up you know, is not really an issue. Maybe if you're dealing with bedding plants, things that are rooting in that, uh, more in that interface between the mulch and soil, perhaps, but for things that are rooting deeper, we generally don't see that as a, as a problem. We also looked at soil moisture. So we have a, <clears throat> a system we use for our soil moisture measurements. We use a TDR uh, system. It's basically uh, an indirect measure. You have rods that are in the ground. You, uh, and the instrument sends out electrical pulse, measures the, the rate of return, and that's uh, correlated, highly correlated with the, with the soil moisture content using a TDR system. And so we tracked that for several years after we initiated the study. So we planted the things in fall of, or late summer 2004. We irrigated for a brief period and then quit irrigating. So everything was just on its own. And again, apologize to the folks in the back of the room. But what we're looking at here is our volumetric soil moisture based on our TDR measurements. And we're looking at soil moisture in the 0 to 45 centimeter or 0 to 18 inches okay, of, of soil depth. And so what we see is up here, these are all of our mulch plots uh, clustered together up here at the top. OK, 
Okay, so 25, 27% soil moisture pretty much throughout, a little bit of a dip here as we got into a dry down in the, in the early fall in that particular year. The two non-mulch plots, okay, that's where you're seeing this up and down. We get a dry down, rainfall, dry down, rainfall, and you see those responding very quickly to changes in uh, the soil moisture responding in changes to, to uh, rainfall. 2006 was a little bit different story. Again, our mulch plots cluster together up here at the top, fairly high soil moisture throughout. When we have the uh, bare ground, so here with the weed control, okay, no mulch, no weed control, that has the lowest moisture, okay? So our no mulch without weed control is actually starting to cluster up here with the, with the mulch plots. Anybody have an idea what's going on there? The weeds, well, they're not holding moisture. What they're doing is a lot of these are annual weeds. So remember, we're getting now into, we planted 2004, so 2005, 2006, we have a lot of annual weeds. And so these weeds are growing up, they're dying, and they're actually sort of becoming de facto mulch themselves, right, as they, as they grow and they, and they die. And weed pressure was pretty, was pretty significant. Um, here's an example of one of our plots. So I didn't indicate earlier, but we, we isolated these, right? We trenched around them and, and put barriers so, you know, roots couldn't be going to the next plot over and, and borrowing a cup of water. Um, so here you see the kind of weed pressure we were dealing with with these, uh, with these plots and the kind of weed control you got without or with, uh, with just the mulch itself. So that was kind of the story. We, we had a couple years of growth data, a couple years of moisture data, and we had foliar nutrition. We looked at soil pH. Soil pH didn't change regardless of the type of mulch. And I was out there uh, a couple years ago now, and you know, it's one of these things, you write the paper, you kind of forget about things. And I went out there, and this was one of the non-mulched plots, and there's a little uh, viburnum there beside me. And then I looked at one of the plots that had been mulched, and it's like, wow, there's still a pretty big growth difference here. And there's actually some, still some pretty good weed control. There's weeds in front of this, but actually if you step over into the plot itself, there's still some fairly decent weed control in there. And so I thought, let's, let's look at these again, and how long does this mulch effect persist? And so uh, we went back. Now we're looking at nine years since the thing was established, right? Um, a few of the plants have been taken out for other projects, and probably found their way into somebody's yard, I'm not sure. Um, but we had enough left to have enough replication that we could, that we could actually look at some averages and run some statistics. Um, not everything works, okay, arborvitae, whatever reason, uh, height growth we're looking at now really didn't, really didn't respond to, to the mulch. They didn't initially and they still didn't uh, nine years down the road. Uh, but for our yew, uh, for our viburnum, our hydrangea and our other viburnum, uh, highly significant, uh, increases in growth nine years after the fact with, with mulch. Some people are saying, well, but you already had a growth difference, so this is just a continuation of the growth difference you already had. So we looked at relative growth rate. So we take the increment over that last five years, divide by the height at age four, okay, so we account for that initial growth change, look at relative growth rate, and looking at relative growth rate, we still see a significant impact for uh, the deciduous shrubs as well as for the, for the use. So what this is saying is that this benefit of mulch, okay, in terms of growth advantage, is persisting well into uh, the life of these, of these plants. I mean, nine years after a shrub, that's, that's pretty, 
pretty well out there. Okay, switch gears a little bit. This is again sort of a case study approach here we're looking at. We've done some work with Christmas tree growers. We were looking at, um, had done some work in collaboration with one of our vegetable agents, looking at the potential of using plastic mulches to help establish Christmas trees. Why not? Um, and so, uh, in doing this, we were looking at Fraser fir, Colorado blue spruce, uh, both for Christmas trees or potentially for landscape trees, at least the spruce. And as we designed this, we kind of had this layout with eight treatments, but we didn't, really didn't have an eighth treatment. And so the farm manager said, well, we got this load of mulch over here. You want to do something with that? And it was just ground wood chips. They'd had some an arborist come in and take down some trees, so they had the wood chips. And so what we have here is at establishment, okay, these came in as like 2-2 transplants, if you're familiar with those, um, probably about a three-foot mulch ring around these, about three inches deep, just with the wood chips. We had this thing wired for sound, so there's uh, soil moisture probes in here. We've got temperature probes in here, so we can see everything that, that the various treatments are doing. Remember, we're looking at plastic mulches and things as well. Um, so what do we find? Well, this is for our Fraser fir. So all of these plastic mulch and the mulch mats uh, treatments were irrigated. So we were looking at some plots that were irrigated. This is three years of growth now from establishment. Irrigated, and then the wood chip treatment that we're interested is down here with these non-irrigated trees. Okay. And so without irrigation, wood chips only, we're getting almost as much growth in terms of diameter growth as we did here with our irrigated plots. This is pretty, pretty light soil, pretty sandy ground. Okay, and in fact, our high growth, we're doing as well or better in some cases. Uh, compared to the non-mulched, non-irrigated, okay, both of these down here, we had uh, weed control without mulch, no mulch, no weed control, and those are falling, falling far behind. So definitely benefit from the mulch, in fact, almost as much as if we'd irrigated in this particular, in this particular case. Um, the other thing we found with this is we had a fairly hot summer, uh, the one year of this study, and so we looked at the soil temperature data. This is being continuously logged, so these are hourly averages, so you can see every up and down cycle here is a day, right? So you're going early morning, midday, and then down, okay? So what do we see? Well, the purple is our wood chips, all right? So our maximum temperature this one day was pretty hot. Uh, our maximum soil temperature under the wood chips is about 82 uh, Fahrenheit. The hottest temperature was bare ground, right? So it's actually cooler under the, even the black plastic mulch than it is with bare ground. Our bare ground soil temperature got to 100, okay, two inch depth. All right, so we're looking at about an 18 degree Fahrenheit effect, cooling effect of the mulching. Of course, that's gonna benefit the roots in terms of reduced respiration, reduced heat stress on our on our roots and just dampening out all these peaks and valleys that we're seeing with our, with our uh, soil temperature. Like our earlier study, we, we kind of kept this going and I went back and reevaluated. We, we wrote it up as like a two or three year study, but then I went back and reevaluated. So seven years uh, after the fact, uh, here we're looking at ca stem caliper growth. Here's our Fraser fir uh, without mulch, Fraser fir with mulch, significant increase in growth. Okay, the mulch mats which had been irrigated, okay, we're doing as well as those were. Uh, same thing over here for our blue spruce. So again, some evidence that, at least in terms of growth responses, we're seeing uh, significant effects of, of mulch. So that brings me to our most recent study, and really ongoing 
uh, study. In fact, my, my students may be out measuring some of these as, as I speak here. Um, this started as a, a nursery project. We had trees that were donated from, from J. Frank Schmidt that we did uh, some work with. And at the end of that trial, we were uh, basically done with the trees, at least as far as the nursery study went. And so uh, we were looking sort of for a, a purpose. I'm involved with the garden professor's blog. We kind of pulled our, our uh, readers of the blog and kind of came up with some ideas of, of what to look at. And one of the ideas that came up was to look at root ball manipulation at planting. And so we've done some of that, which is a component of this, which I won't talk about today. That'll probably be next year's, next year's talk here. But the other part of that is we, uh, when we outplanted the trees, was to look at uh, planting them with and without mulch. So kind of a, a three by two factorial there with the root ball manipulation, tease them apart or shave them, uh, leave them as is, and then uh, we mulched them or, or didn't mulch them. So this is 48 of these plane trees went into this particular block. And so half of them, you can see the trees going in the ground, uh, there's the mulch going, going out around them. And then this is what the study looked like shortly after it was installed. So what we're looking at here, it's a randomized design. So you'll see the trees that are mulched about a five to six inch wide mulch ring, uh, three inches of red pine bark. Okay, so back over here, you can see some of the ones that are not mulched. Again, it's, it's a random, random thing here. So you just occasionally see trees that aren't, aren't mulched. So we've been tracking growth on these, looking at stem caliper and height growth. We've also been looking at soil moisture, again, using our, our TDR system. Um, kind of hard to, to visualize this with, the, uh, with the, the image here, but so the way the TDR works, there's two sets of rods in the ground. These particular rods that Anico is installing are 18 inches long, and then they just stick up out of the ground. So you just leave them in the ground. You put them, so you're always measuring moisture at the same place. Okay, so we have, uh, uh, the 18 inch rods here in the root ball. So this is container grown trees, 25 gallon container grown trees. Uh, so we have these in the root ball and then we have another set of rods that are back here in the backfill or perhaps the interface between the backfill and the, and the, and the native soil. Okay. Then we also had uh, rods that are six inches long that we just push in and get our measurements. We have six inches here inside the root ball and six inches out here in the, in the backfill. Okay. We established this in 2012. Those of you that are from the upper Midwest will remember 2012. It was, it was a tough year. Um, what, we're, what we're looking at here is I downloaded the data. We have an on-site weather station for our Michigan Automated Weather Network. And this is, and it tracks uh, precip and uh, reference uh, PET, reference uh, evapotranspiration, potential evapotranspiration. So what you're seeing here, this is the reference PET. Okay, so that's going to be driven by temperature, wind speed, solar radiation, relative humidity, all those, all those things are going into that. And then each bar is the weekly rainfall. Okay, it's just, I, I find this a nice way to kind of present uh, climate data. And so for that year, growing season, so from May till the end of October, we've got uh, a rainfall deficit. So the PET was greater than rainfall by about 331 centimeters. Okay. If we eliminated some of this late rain out here, it would have been about 400. So it was a tough, tough year. We set all-time record highs, got to 107 in Lansing that year. And we planted the trees back here in the middle of May. Okay, we irrigated them for, for a month and then walked away. Okay, we didn't, do, we didn't do any more irrigation at all for the rest of the study. Um, 
2013 looks a little better in terms of the rainfall deficit, but you have to factor in. We had one week with four inches, another two inch, another two inch. And so on the whole, it was a little bit probably more, more stressful here where we've got a lot of period of rainfall deficit than what the, what the totals would, would lead us to believe. Uh, 2014 wasn't too bad, just sort of this hole in the middle, okay, where we had a bit of a dry down. And then this year, um, you know, it's almost an embarrassment for, for us uh, in Michigan compared to people that are out west and other places. We're actually running a rainfall surplus, at least relative to, to potential evapotranspiration at this, at this juncture. So 2015 for us, at least, has been, has been fairly, fairly mild. Well, how did all this translate into, into the tree responses? Well, we've got three years, uh, three growing season completed. We're in the fourth. We're still in the fourth growing season right now. Uh, remember, we said 2012 was a tough year, so right out of the gate, we planted the trees in May. By the end of October, we could already see a significant growth effect from mulching. Okay? And then that expanded in 2013, and we've pretty much held steady. This is about a half-inch caliper difference, in case you're looking at about uh, 12, 10 to 12 millimeters or about a half inch of growth, you know, caliper difference uh, so far uh, for the mulch versus non-mulch trees. I didn't put a slide together with the height growth. The height growth were about a meter taller, so about three feet taller for the trees that are, uh, that were mulched versus those that, that were not. Soil moisture, kind of a complicated chart, so let me kind of walk you through this. What we're looking at is the blue line. So we have our four years that we've completed so far, 2012, the year we planted, 2013, 2014, and our current season. And when you look at this, the blue is the mulch. Okay, again, volumetric soil moisture here with our, our TDR system, looking at the zero to 18 inch uh, depth. Okay, the asterisk, so every time you see an asterisk, that indicates significant difference, at least 0.05, sometimes 0.01, 0.001 in some cases, uh, like you would see here. So we've got a pretty significant effect of mulch on soil moisture, consistent, uh, especially here in the first uh, growing season, throughout the second growing season. Uh, we're starting off pretty good in 2014, and then we get some rain here at the end and things kind of collapse together, okay? So we're seeing, we're seeing things begin to, to come back together. 2015, again, it's been pretty wet, so we're not seeing much, much of a difference. Okay, so some of the things we see when we see differences in these different studies, okay, what's going on in terms of their weather patterns, you know, a lot of these things can influence whether or not we're gonna see a response to mulch or not. Um, so we have four sets of these. I didn't wanna put them all on here, but just to kind of summarize is, you know, so when did we see an effect of mulch being greater than control in terms of soil moisture, okay, across all of our, all of our years. So we've got our years here, we've got the measurements of moisture within the root ball, and then we've got measurements over here out away from the tree into the, into the backfill. And a couple of things we can pick up is we tend to see the most consistent difference here with our, with our deeper depth and in the backfill. So in the, that space where we want the roots to be getting out into uh, as they're getting established. Um, things are more variable, hard to show uh, statistical differences when you get into the zero to six layer. Okay, it's just, it's just inherently gonna be more variable and more variable when we deal with uh, the moisture in the root ball, because now we're into that uh, container, that original container mix uh, to a large extent. Um, in a couple of cases in 2014, we even had some situations where the uh, plants without mulch, okay, 
had higher moisture. Okay, and I think part of that may be we're to the point where the crowns are larger on these trees that have been mulched now, and so they're actually depleting, at least in that immediate root zone around the, the root ball, they're actually depleting some moisture and, and dropping that down. But in general, mulch is increasing our, our moisture. So kind of a quick, a quick summary then, um, mulch results of increased caliper and height growth, okay, significantly so. Um, we tended to see a greater soil moisture effect on the backfill, and again, some of that may be we're drawing down the moisture as these trees get larger in that, in that original container mix. Uh, we're going to see more of an effect during dry periods, so when are you going to see the best, the most benefit out of mulch? Okay, will probably be when you're the driest. Uh, as with our other study, we did not see an effect on, on pH between our mulch and non-mulch, six-inch depth. And we've also done some work using our SPAD chlorophyll meter. Again, back to this notion of, you know, do we see nutrient tie-up with mulch? Um, no, we don't. Uh, we do not see an effect on that. Um, and just to uh, kind of you know, show some other people are, are following along these, these same lines, this was a, a recent paper that uh, Ryan Skarenbrock and, and Gary Watson published where they looked at uh, various treatments, uh, no treatment here, uh, some various biostimulants, compost tea, fertilization, uh, adding compost, and here where they got their biggest bang for their buck was out here just adding uh, a mulch layer of wood chips. Okay, and so I still think you know, there's some benefit to, to doing, these, doing these things. Okay. And beyond the growth, the environmental effects, um, certainly there's some aesthetic aspects. Our other guy with the mulch rings opinions notwithstanding, uh, I think we certainly can see some benefits. Clean lines and lots of things that we like in these uh, situations that can add a lot of visual appeal to our landscapes. Another big one is, is plant protection. So when you look at what goes on in landscape maintenance, uh, both in terms of mowers and weed whips and those kind of things, uh, getting the, the lawn, getting the turf out away from the trees is gonna be, is gonna be of, of value. Um, this is kind of an older, an older study, but I think it's, it's instructive. Uh, in this particular case, they looked at a growth of, of dogwood trees and they had mulch, this is uh, diameter growth here, they had mulch right up to the trunk, uh, kept a small turf-free zone around the tree, a larger turf-free zone around the tree, and then basically just had the trees like in a bed where everything was, was mulched. And so you see that, um, you know, basically the, the further you can keep the turf away from the tree, uh, the better off you're gonna be in terms of, in terms of uh, growth. And then of course, uh, probably one of the epidemics we're seeing in our area is, is the string trimmer trauma. When you have grass up next to the trunk of the tree, um, it's just a death sentence basically because you're gonna end up with, with this kind of, of injury. Um, we, it's, it's just, we've been involved with a, a project with the greening of Detroit where we didn't get the trees mulched right away and we've lost a good number of our, our trees in our project just because the crews that come through from the city uh, just have no, have no conscience as far as I can tell. Okay, so, so sort of tying this all together then, when you look at what's out there in the literature and, and hopefully some of the case studies that we've, we've shown today, the preponderance of the evidence, and I'm saying it's unanimous, but the preponderance of the evidence is showing that mulch is gonna increase soil moisture, uh, moderate soil temperature variation, uh, certainly reduce turf and weed competition, uh, simplify your maintenance, and ultimately improve tree growth and survival. 
Doesn't mean there aren't some caveats. We certainly saw that in the wetter years, okay, the effect of mulch may be less. Uh, some species, we saw with the arborvitae, we didn't see a big response. So there can be other, other factors at, at play as well. One of the things we have to uh, remember when we're dealing with arboricultural studies, okay, getting to the end here, uh, when we're dealing with arboricultural studies is, you know, we need to have a high, high tolerance for ambiguity. You know, there's lots of, lots of variables and lots of moving parts in these systems. And so I think every bit of information we can get to help us understand is gonna be, is gonna be uh, useful. So uh, with that, I will just uh, thank uh, some of the folks that have helped with this, our Beaumont Nursery at MSU, and then J. Frank Schmidt, who originally donated the uh, Blood Good Plane Trees, as well as funding from uh, several sources, and then all the folks out in my lab that, that get to do all the, all the real dirty work in this, in this type of project. So thank you for your attention. This concludes Dr. Gregg's talk on the true value of mulch in today's landscaping. To learn more about mulching, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including a mulching technique guideline for consumers. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, please visit the ISA online store and select online CEU quizzes. Thank you for listening to this episode, which was brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country. Trees, you know we can. Work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques Whatever language you speak You have a world to offer Every day Climb with the ISA